the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Joined by Admiral James Stavridis, former Allied Supreme Commander of NATO, former uh, head of America's Southern Command and European Command. Uh, of course, he's retired now. He is the uh, chairman of the board of the Rockefeller Foundation, a partner at the Carlisle Group. Admiral, welcome back. I like to begin with my guests with just an open question. What do you make of events in Russia, Ukraine, and the West over the last 48 hours? Well, first of all, Hugh, happy birthday. Thank Let's you. start with that. Um, and we'll always remember that on your birthday, Russia invaded Ukraine. That's and right. There's no other, there's no other way to, to define it. And invasion, I tell you, this is dean of a graduate school of international relations in a previous life. An invasion is the imposition of armed troops on a sovereign nation for political purpose without the permission of that nation. Doesn't matter whether it's a, a squad of Spetsnaz a flotilla of warships into territorial waters or 200,000 troops coming across borders. So we're in the invasion uh, scenario at this point. And the question becomes, what do we do about it? I'm hoping to see the administration take some very strong measures as the next day or so unfolds. And the reality that we are not going to find a diplomatic path out of this settles into us all. Now, Jennifer Griffin is a very fine reporter with Fox News, tweeted this out in a passionate message to troops. Ukraine's defense minister, quote, the Kremlin has made yet another step towards the resurrection of the Soviet Union with a new Warsaw Pact and Berlin Wall. The only thing that stands in between is Ukraine and its army. Our choice is simple to defend our country, our homes, our families. Nothing has changed for us. Tough road lies ahead. There will be losses. The pain, fear and disbelief shall be overcome. But victory shall be our reward. Because we are on our land and the truth is with us, many guided by emotions will urge to chaotic decisions. We will now not allow this. Our strength is in unity, confidence, and in cool heads. Be patient. Hold the line for our brother's memory, for those we love. Glory to the armed forces of Ukraine. Glory to Ukraine. What do you make of that, Admiral? I think it's well said. And uh, let's also reflect on 2 a.m. yesterday, the president, uh, Zelensky, made a similar speech, equally emotional. You know, Slavs are emotional people. And when it comes to blood and soil, they will fight, and they will fight hard. And there are 250,000 soldiers in the Ukrainian army. The Ukrainians have been uh, encouraging civilians to sign up in a reserve corps. We are flooding the zone with weapons. We're really laying the groundwork or a resistance movement if Putin decides to go full Monty, Blitzkrieg, go to Kiev here. Um, I, I hope he does not do that. I suspect he will park where he is, create a frozen conflict, uh, as he did in Georgia, as he did in Crimea already, 
And then we might have some trade space for negotiation at that point. But if he decides to pull the pin and march to Kyiv, I think he's going to run into a buzzsaw from the Ukrainians. Now, Ambassador O'Brien, the former National Security Advisor, was in, uh, interviewed by Axios yesterday. Axios lead story this morning. Ex-Trump advisor calls on the United States to prepare for Ukrainian government in exile. Uh, he has basically outlined the Churchill option, which is invite Zelensky to maintain the U.N. seat, the Zelensky government, the World Bank. Everybody deals with Zelensky, not with Putin's puppets. What do you make of the O'Brien proposition? Oh, 100 percent agreement. I've been saying that for a number of weeks. Um, we need to think specifically and in concrete terms. What would this look like? What would it mean? Step one would be to get the Zelensky government out of Kyiv in enough time before a Russian advance, get them at least to the far west, to the city of Lviv, where the U.S. is moving, many of its embassy personnel, many Western nations are. And then you need a plan C, if that's plan B. Plan C is government in exile. Where is it going to go? I'd, I'd, I'd nominate Warsaw. Uh, another location might be London. The model, I think you mentioned Churchill, of that generation, the model is actually Charles de Gaulle, who ran the free French government in exile for years. Um, this is starting to look like the 1930s. We need to prepare for the 1940s, which is to say uh, a resistance movement alongside a government in exile. That's Putin's worst nightmare, in my view. And I think to the degree there is deterrence left to shake at him, it would be through those two mechanisms. Now, uh, Chancellor Schultz, the new replacement of Merkel, announced that he won't be signing the final paperwork for Nord Stream 2. That's not exactly blowing up Nord Stream 2, but it's better than nothing. And I remember in the 80s when Mitterrand became the socialist president of France in those era, became as strong as Reagan vis-a-vis -vis, uh, Brezhnev and his successors. Do you think there's a chance that Schultz understands he really has to be? as tough as Mitterrand was? I do. I, I'm quite encouraged by Chancellor Scholz. If you look at, uh, he's only been in office uh, a couple of months, and he's coming in behind uh, a four-term chancellor in Angela Merkel. Um, and he has, in my view, done all the right moves, which is to say he's consistently aligned with NATO. He came to Washington he and President Biden made strong statement together. And here we see the actual uh, implementation of what the Biden administration has asked for, which is to shut down Nord Stream 2. And, and by the way, a lot of people have this kind of apocalyptic view that if Putin turns off the taps, uh, the lights go out in Europe and no one's going to have heat in their homes. That, that's not what's going to happen. If you look at the total energy consumption of Europe, Western Europe, natural gas is only 20%. Putin controls about half of that. So you're looking at about a 10% decrement in total energy need. I think that can be made up uh, by LNG from the United States, liquefied national ga natural gas, as well as from the Gulf states. Um, you know, it'll be hard. It'll be a scramble. Uh, but I think it is survivable. And at the other end of the transaction, Putin you're taking away a key source of revenue for him. Uh, ain't all bad. And I commend the chancellor for uh, at least doing this interim step of shutting it down. I've said for a long time, if Putin invades Ukraine, ain't going to be nothing 
whistling through Nord Stream 2, but air for a long I, time. I hope, I wish they would be more specific. Maybe that will be coming. But I nursed this Mitterrand hope because Mitterrand surprised us all in the 80s and he was tough as nails on the Soviets. Let me turn, if I can, to Poland and Lithuania. The people who are most in danger beyond the Ukrainians are probably the Lithuanians. There's a Russian enclave within Lithuania. But that's an Article 5. Would we really go to war over Lithuania, Admiral? 100%. And I think that um, also at risk is Estonia, an even smaller nation, just over a million people in Estonia. But it has a fairly significant uh, Russian-speaking minority. Putin has made noises about this as well. And don't forget, Estonia, Lithuania, and Latvia were all at one time part of the of the USSR and part of the Russian Empire. So it kind of falls into this, in my view, deeply flawed argument that Putin is using about Ukraine. So yes, the Baltics ought to be particularly concerned. Poland has its own very bad history, shall we say, with Russia. And uh, so these nations are lucky to be behind the Article 5 guarantee. The two that I think are interesting to look at in this moment, Hugh, are Finland and Sweden, who do not have Article 5 guarantees, have exceptionally strong militaries, are watching this debacle in Ukraine unfold and have to be thinking, maybe this is time for us to join the NATO alliance. That, again, is part of Vladimir Putin's worst nightmare. The grand irony here is that Putin's actions are going to create a series of strategic failures for the Russian Federation. He ought to be a better chess player than he seems to be. Now, now his speech yesterday, I don't know if you watched the simultaneous translation or just picked up the news. That's not a normal person's speech. It is not. And, and by the way, um, you don't have to be a fluent Russian linguist. Uh, just watch the clips of that. Putin does not look well. He looks very heavy and puffy. His eyes look bad. Uh, he, he, he's snapping his head in weird moments. The whole choreography of it is off. Um, and he's got 6,000 nuclear weapons. I mean, this is a, a very worrisome period of time. For the world. Now, in terms of the people around him, I used to know everybody on the top of Lenin's tomb, but they don't do that anymore. There's only Putin. And then there's the head of the FSB and the head of the other, the, the international group. And then I don't know anyone. Is there anyone that can check him or is he genuinely as isolated as Stalin became towards the end? There was never that Khrushchev, Brezhnev, even um, uh, the fellow who ran the KGB for a while, his name will come to me. Uh, that succeeded Chernenko, not Chernenko, but the, the other guy. They all had Andrew people around. And draw pop. That's it. They all had people around him. Is there anyone around Putin that can check him? No. And that is why we ought to be very, very, very concerned. I think there is not only no one who can check him, as far as I can tell, and going back through my own knowledge of our intelligence, um, there is not only nobody who can check him, there is nobody he listens to. So... It, again, very dangerous moment. And so you have to make some tactical choices here about how to respond. Um, you want to respond in a way that does not push the world to the brink of a nuclear collision with Russia. On the other hand, I think it is a moment for strength. I think it is a moment for um, extremely sweeping economic sanctions, arming the Ukrainians, again, preparing 
for a Ukrainian government in exile to run that resistance. Uh, this is not the time to give Vladimir Putin a lot of space on the international stage. You know, Admiral, last question. I've met a, a few people who have met Putin, and I have their assessments. I don't know if you met Putin when you were head of NATO, did you? Briefly. What do you make it, who do you compare him to in your reading of history and your reading of, of modern times? I don't think there's a comparative figure. What I worry about him most deeply is that he seems to be driven by anger and resentment. You know, Napoleon said a leader is a dealer in hope. Vladimir Putin is a dealer in fear. And that is a bad quality in a leader. And grievance. I mean, that speech yesterday was all grievance. I mean, it's all made up, the history that he made up. I guess Russians don't like the fact that Kiev is actually older than the Rus, right? It is indeed. And it, there's a lot of old, bad history between Ukrainians and Russians. Putin tends to gloss right over that. You know, for an American audience, what Putin is doing is as if the United States looked to the north at Canada and said, Hmm. British Columbia and Alberta, two provinces of Canada, um, they speak the same language. They're kind of like us. Well, they've been intertwined with us. We had fur trappers that operated up there in the 18th century. I guess they really ought to be part of the United States of America. That's roughly the opinion <laughs> right. of what he's doing. And he'd add that we took Montreal once, <laughs> even though we gave it back. Uh, Admiral James Stavridis, thank you. Follow him on Twitter, Stavridis J. Come right back to The Hugh Hewitt Show. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. This is Ed Morrissey of HotAir.com for Town Hall. Who in the Lord's name, Joe Biden asked at his presser on the Ukraine crisis, does Putin think gives him the right to declare so-called countries on territory that belong to his neighbors? In one sense, it is Biden himself, who just a few weeks ago seemed to excuse any minor incursions into Ukraine by Russia. In a larger sense, however, the West has ignored Vladimir Putin's clear ambitions to rebuild a Russian empire and to divide the West while returning Russia to superpower status. In fact, Putin ran the exact same playbook in 2014 during the Obama-Biden administration, using Russian proxies to foment insurrection in Ukraine and to seize and annex Crimea outright. Before that, it was Georgia in 2008, setting up the Hillary Clinton infamous reset button moment. Biden announced some new sanctions in his presser, trying to parse the word invasion as an excuse to avoid confrontation. The vacillation from Biden presents a dangerous incentive to the ruthless geopolitical threat Putin represents. I'm Ed Morrissey. The Pepperdine School of Public Policy, America's unique graduate program for leaders. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.